Thank you and praise the Lord. Uh, let us pray. Uh, continue in prayer. Lord, we indeed, we are thankful, we are grateful for the grace you give us to come before you. We dedicate this night, O oh Lord our God, we ask that you wash this word, anoint it with your power, anoint these lips, Lord, that are sharing it, the ears that are going to hear it, the hearts that will receive it, the systems that are going to convey it, Lord, and may it achieve the purposes for which you are releasing it tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. 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 Um, Dr. Lees has... Uh, read the fullness of the um, of chapter 42, Isaiah 42. Um, but our focus, it was, I thought it was important for us to get the broad context from which we are going to share this word. But our special focus is on Isaiah 42, verses 14 and 16. I will lead the way, I, lead, I will lead the blind in the way they do not know. Now, Isaiah 42, verses 14 to 16, is a prophetic portion of scripture in which those key words are read. I will lead the blind in the way they do not know. And while the theme for the month is the prophetic exhortation, arise and shine, and that one is drawn from Isaiah 60, verse 1. Um. As I began to prayerfully prepare for this assignment, the Lord drew me to contemporary situations that grieve his heart. These are issues that exist in our immediate society, but also in the world that is a little beyond our boundaries. Um, they are issues that are knocking on our doors. They are issues that are bulldozing our boundaries. <clears throat> But in all this, our hope is in the redemptive promises of the Lord, and, our, and I pray that we shall be able to pick them. Uh, let me ask a few questions. How many of us are exasperated for, by these following issues? Um, gender manipulation and the multiple genders that are available today, that's one item. How many of us are exasperated by deviant sex, you know, same-sex marriage? How many of us are exasperated by artificial intelligence? You know, things like humanoids. I'll be speaking a little more about that. How many of us are um, exasperated by manipulative sex selection? You know, there are simple problems that are actually horrible crimes, like organ harvesting, there's been a story around in the in, on social media this week. I don't know whether it is a, a, a true story or it's just a, a manipulative thing. But whether that story is true or not, that young man who claimed that they harvested his uh, kidney, it doesn't matter whether that, that one is true or not. We know in the broadness of it that um, many people's uh, organs are being harvested. We have seen <clears throat> some of our girls who have gone to work here um this week in the in the uk those of you who follow the news there is a neonatal nurse who has been charged with murdering seven babies and attempting to kill 10 others 
You know, she was accused of, uh, in court, of injecting newborns with air and feeding them with insulin in a hospital. How many of us are exasperated uh, by the way the Russian leader is taking lives wantonly in that war in Europe? Or how about the Russians and uh, ethnic discrimination? Those are just a few examples of contemporary issues around us. But for us, in order to dissect and to get a good and practical understanding of the topic and its scripture reference, um, this sharing this evening, this night, is going to be divided into three parts. And my prayer is that each one of us will be able to pick up a challenge uh, to take with us. What are the three parts? The three parts are, first, there will be an examination of prophecy and the prophetic in general. Then secondly, we shall do an outline of the ministry of uh, Isaiah, because he's the person who, to whom we, uh, who's, um, uh, who's, who's writing we are referring to. And then thirdly, we shall look at an in-depth, we shall take an in-depth look at Isaiah 14, 42, 14 to 16, and its context of verses 1 to 20, what Professor Liz has read out, and then we shall draw a contemporary message and be able to, um, to run with something. I, I, my prayer is that each one of us will be able to run with something. Let's begin with prophecy and the prophet. <clears throat> now, the world of prophecy is wonderful and it is exciting. And it is in this world uh, that the prophet Isaiah occupies a special place. Prophecy at its simplest is God speaking. God has spoken in many ways, uh, including through his servants, the prophets who dominate the Old Testament, as well as through his son, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the greatest of all prophets. And he has also spoken through many of the apostles who carried a man. Now, to keep prophecy going, God has given the gift of prophecy, which is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But he has also given the office of prophet, the office of prophet, the office of prophet, which we find in uh, um, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, now, that one, uh, the office of prophet, that is different from the gift of prophecy. Gift of prophecy, anyone can have it, but um, the office of prophet is appointed. People are appointed to it. And um, this one is the second of the five offices of ministry that Christ himself instituted, um, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, the gift of prophecy is a special ability to speak forth the message of God. A prophet basically, um, basically a prophet will, will um, is a spokesman for God, a spokeswoman for God. He or she delivers the word of God to people by means of direct revelation. Prophetic utterances can deal with certain individuals, they can deal with the church, <clears throat> or they can work in a wider context. Prophecy does not always refer to the future, though, as we shall see from this evening's reference, Isaiah dwelt quite a lot on the future. And the word prophecy is used far more 
to proclaim the word of God uh, rather than to predict the future. And there are a number of uh, observations that we can make about the office and the gift. Now, the Apostle Paul also speaks of the apostles and prophets as God's gift to the church, saying in Ephesians 2.20, how our faith is built on their foundations with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. The Bible speaks of um, both men and women exercising the gift of prophecy. Scripture speaks of the four daughters of Philip that had the gift of prophecy. And we also read, uh, which we read in the book of Acts uh, 21 verse 9. And so that means the gift is given to both men and women. There are people who deny that women do not have this. There are similarities between prophets of the Old Testament and the New Testament prophets. Why? What are the similarities? Both spoke the word of God to the people. They both warned of judgment and they both spoke on current issues and both could predict future events. And we shall see these characteristics derive out of this evening's text. Um, now, a prophet will of necessity be a prayer warrior for prophecy is fundamentally dependent on a communicative relationship with God. Let me repeat that. A prophet will of necessity be a prayer warrior for prophecy is fundamentally dependent on a communicative relationship with God. Man's primary communication with God is prayer. While God will speak to us uh, through his written word, which is his revealed will, but also through revelation, for instance, in dreams or visions, or through words of knowledge, words of wisdom, or still small voice and other ways. Um, when we look at the Bible, we see that many of the prophets, the biblical prophets we know from the Bible, Moses, Daniel, David, and the Lord Jesus himself, all these were great prayer warriors. And as a result of their being great prayer warriors, they heard a lot from God to be able to make effective prophetic voices. Now, this one, uh, my dear brother, my dear sister, is an eternal divine principle and still holds today that to be an effective prophetic voice, you must be deeply prayerful. It's an eternal divine uh, principle. It doesn't go away. <clears throat> so a major point as I wind up this issue of uh, the broad look at prophecy and the prophetic is that what a prophet says or pronounces must reflect the word of God. For the word of God is God's, uh, is the Lord's revealed will. Repeat. What a prophet says or pronounces must reflect the word of God, for the word of God is the Lord's revealed will. If someone claims to be speaking prophetically or pronouncing prophecy, and it contradicts what is written or revealed in the Bible, discard them. For those who would be, uh, that one would be a false prophet. So a primary way, I know we are struggling these days. Who, what is a genuine prophet? Who is a genuine prophet? True or false? Now, the primary way of identifying false prophets is if what they say contradicts God's word. 
a false teacher or a false prophet. If what they say, for instance, there are people who go around with those um, titles, prophet, this prophet, that prophet, the other. Now, and uh, some of them, many of them are not even prophets. But anyway, then they, they tell you that you have this marriage problem. Therefore, now leave this woman, uh, get the other one. That already contradicts the word of God because marriage is for life as far as God is concerned. Or you cannot have a second, a man cannot have a second woman. So that's already a false prophet. If someone tells, comes and tells you, yes, the Lord said uh, that the world is ending uh, next Thursday. But Jesus himself told us that no one knows the day. Not even the son himself, only the father. And so immediately, the moment a pronouncement contradicts the word of God, you know that that's a false prophet. So that's the primary way. There are other ways of, um, of, of, of telling false prophets, but we won't get into depth on that because that's not our call for today. But I thought I should give a general overview of uh, prophecy because our text tonight is dealing with prophecy. That's the overview. Now, now let's go to Isaiah, the prophet. The prophet. Uh, Isaiah was also known as uh, the writing prophet, and he lived about 2,700 years ago, prophesying principally to a nation that had turned a deaf ear to the Lord. You could say that we, you and I, this country, I've had us perfectly under, thank you. You could say that we are a reenactment of that nation, for um, we have also rejected God in many ways. Now, there is a terrible and mistaken, um, I'll call a satanic born belief among some Christians that the Old Testament is irrelevant to the believer in Christ. Um, those beliefs teach a doctrine that completely ignores or, 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 or actually discards the Old Testament. And yet one of the imperatives to understanding God's message to us as continued in scripture is to get an appreciation of the fact that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Let me repeat the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I'm trying to, to show that there is an in, in, in uh, what's the word? A, a, a link between the Old Testament and New Testament. You cannot divorce the two from each other. For instance, the book of Isaiah provides us with the most comprehensive prophetic picture of Jesus Christ in the entire Old Testament. There is no book in the Old Testament that gives as comprehensive a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ as the book of Isaiah does. The book of Isaiah includes the full scope of Jesus's life. The announcement of his coming in chapter 40, verses 3 to 5, Isaiah 43 to 5, um, his virgin birth, uh, chapter 7, verse 14, his virgin birth, chapter 7, verse 14, his proclamation of the good news, which we find in uh, uh, chapter 61, verse 1, chapter 61, verse 1, 
his sacrificial death uh, that we read right from um, uh, chapter 52, verse 13, all the way to chapter 53, verse 12, his sacrificial death, 52, 13, reading on to 53, 12. And then his return to claim his own in 60, chapter 60, verse 2 and 3. And so I'm illustrating that the, the inextricable relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament to debunk what people say that the Old Testament is relevant to the Christian believer today. Now, Isaiah's own name <coughs> means the salvation of Yahweh, salvation of Yahweh. And the theme of salvation runs right through the entire book of Isaiah. But alongside it also is the theme of judgment. So you have two major themes in, uh, in, uh, written by Isaiah, judgment and salvation. Now, the presence of judgment indicates the necessity for salvation to occur. Why? Because uh, before we can have salvation, there must be a need for it. We are under judgment. Now, for you to be saved, you need to have been judged. So that's the point. Now, Isaiah differs from, say, the other major prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel in that the character of his prophetic ministry blends foretelling, foretelling, and he has a lot of foretelling. Let me explain the difference between the two. Foretelling is the seer. You know, there, there, there are prophets who are seers, those who see far into the future. So there is foretelling, seeing far, 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 far into the future. And then foretelling, which is preaching the truth to a sinful people. Preaching the truth to a sinful people. Now, Jeremiah and Ezekiel had that. But what this man has Isaiah has that one of forth telling, telling people, wow, this is it. You have to do this, you sinful people, blah, 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 blah. But he also has foretelling, seeing into the future. And that's the relevance of what we are looking at today, as I'll be, we'll be seeing shortly. And so it is the foretelling, the seeing into the future that should take our interest tonight. First of all, in the generic and then in particular ways that I will explain. The generic includes the fact that it is Isaiah who pronounces, for instance, I'm just giving a few examples of you know, what he saw in foretold about the future. Uh, Isaiah um, is the one who, 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 who foretold the prophetic destiny of Africa, um, which as many of us know by now, I believe many of us on this platform, know that the, the prophetic destiny of Africa is contained in uh, chapters 18 and 19. Uh, another example of foretelling is the slave trade and slavery, you know, which Africans were subjected to in the Americas and the Arab world. That one was foretold in chapter 20. Isaiah foretold it in chapter 20. The Holocaust that happened in Europe um, about how many, 80 years ago now, that one was seen by Isaiah as a future event in chapter 54. Israel's first return under King Cyrus of Persia 
is foretold even before the exile happens. And that one is recorded in chapters 44 and 45, the ministry of Cyrus. It was Isaiah who saw in the spiritual realm the 20th century return of the Jews to the promised land, flying back by aeroplane. And he pronounced that in chapter 60. He even foretold COVID-19 and its social and geopolitical effects. But all that is uh, teaching for another day. So, but the question is, how does this come about? How does this come about? Isaiah's calling was to serve as God's emissary before the people of Judah and to proclaim their sinful status before uh, in, in God's eyes. Later on, the prophet insisted that his prophecies be recorded for future generations, including us Gentiles who are living in the first 21st century. What did he say? It is recorded in um, uh, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 8 to 9. Isaiah 38 to 9, that go now, write it on a tablet, that it may be an everlasting witness. For these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to to listen to the Lord's instruction. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 8, 9. That now is speaking to us for the future generations. So that's why all those prophecies, some of them, we've seen them come true today and others shall come. It's a matter of time that they will, um, they will come to pass. And so the entirety of the book of Isaiah or of Isaiah's ministry is that it stands as a testimony of hope in the Lord, the one who saves his people from themselves. Now let's delve a little more deeply. Um, we are now going to the third part. I finished the second part. And the third part um, from which I hope each one of us can draw a lesson um, is going to to revolve around 21st century rebellion. Our rebellion, we as the people living in the 21st century. <clears throat> now, those of you who follow the news will know that exactly two weeks ago, exactly two weeks ago on September the, the 30th, Elon Musk unveiled a humanoid, humanoid. Now, Elon Musk is the world's richest man. He's an African, by the way, he's South African, um, but he lives in the, in, in, in the US, and that's where most of his work is. He's the world's the richest man in the world, has over $100 billion in, in wealth. Anyway, he showcased uh, his much touted humanoid robot, robot called Optimus. As, um, you know, this man, Elon Musk, is the, is the man who's making electric vehicles, Tesla, the biggest factory. And that's one reason why he's very rich because electric vehicles are the vehicles of the future. And so they had an, an artificial intelligence day event, and um, he, he, he unveiled this, this, this robot, a humanoid, saying that robot business, you know, the business of dealing with robots will be worth far more than the electric cars that he's making, and is hoping. He is hoping to expand beyond self-driving vehicles, um, uh, which he has been promising for a few years now. Now, a prototype of the robot walked on stage and waved 
to the seated audience in some place somewhere in California, Palo Alto. Now a video of the robot carrying a box, watering plants and moving metal bars in the, in the, in the factory, in the car factory was shown. You can Google that, just, just, look, just look in YouTube, you, you'll be able to see that. Now the key test for this robot is whether it can handle unexpected situations, having human-like uh, hands that can manipulate different objects. Initially, this fellow Optimus uh, was an illusion to the powerful and um, was an illusion, but now they are making it to become a fact. And so what are they looking at? That in future robots could be used in homes, making dinners or mowing the lawn, caring for old people, um, even being used as sex partners. Oh my God, terrible. Now, in that's the summary of what happened two weeks ago on September the 30th. Go and Google it, understand the world we are living in. I was making mention of this. Um, why am I making mention of this? Some of these things may look to be far off. However, we are living in the world of digitization. Uh, these things come to us much more easily. Now, those of, especially now, those of us who have young children, they are more exposed to this kind of thing. I mean, if Isaiah could see this 2,700 years ago, now how about us who are living today in the 21st century? But anyway, this kind of thing is in scriptural language. This is what is represented as Babylon. The Babylon is coming much closer to us than, um, um, than even ever before. So what we see in what this gentleman is doing is rebellion because it runs counter to God's creation of making man in our own image. This is what God says, make man in our own image, Genesis 1.26. So what these fellows are doing is that they are making man in the image of machines, in the image of machines. And yet in this chapter 42 passage, um, what Professor Liz has just read for us, God pronounced in verse five, chapter 42, verse five, he, create, he, he, he pronounced that as the creator, he spreads out the earth with all that springs from it who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. Verse five, chapter 42, verse five. God as the creator spreads out the earth with all that springs from it and he gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. Now friends, humanoids, humanoids, neither have breath nor life. They neither have breath nor life. When, 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 when the Lord God pronounced in our own image, Genesis 1, 26, it was referring to the spirit because God is spirit. That's what our image is, created in his image, the spirit. Now, humanoids cannot have spirit. They will not have spirit. That's just one example. But of course, we are all familiar, say, with... Uh, same-sex marriage, and how it also runs counter to God's plan of marriage between man and woman, as spelled out in Genesis chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter 19, verses 46, Jesus 
reiterating. Then we have situations like gender and sex. Gender and sex. Some of the modern claims around gender, let me just read for you a few. I hope you are paying attention. What are the claims of so-called modern medicine or modern social or whatever? <clears throat> if you let me name how many you want to talk about six of them. The first is that gender is an identity. This is a claim, I'm not saying my, I'm just telling you what's in the world around you. That gender is an identity. Your, it is a personal, your personal sense of who you are and that sex refers to biological and physiological characteristics, say like the genitals, the hormones and chromosomes. All these are what relate to sex. So the people who are making these claims contend that biological sex is not equal to gender and that gender identity can change over time and that it is not fixed. That is claim number one. Claim number two is that although many people are told that there are only two sexes, male and female, that that isn't true, that some people are intersex or have a difference of sex development, DSD, they call it DSD, difference of sex development. That is claim number two. <clears throat> claim number three is that while many people grew up with a simplistic idea of gender and sex, hmm? what you and I grew up with, um, they call it simplistic, that there are two sexes, male and female, that match with two genders, man and woman. They say that in reality, neither gender nor sex is binary. Binary means composed or involving two things, two things, two things. That sex is not binary, sex is not just two, or gender is not just two. That's claim number three. Number four, <clears throat> is that um, sexuality and gender identity are not the same thing. Let me repeat. They claim that sexuality and gender identity are not the same thing. That sexuality refers to who you are emotionally, physically, romantically, or sexually attracted to. That is sexuality. But gender does not apply in this. Then claim number five, just hear these ridiculous things, that uh, people can be <clears throat> characterized as, as AFAB, AFAB assigned, assigned female at birth, or AMAB, A-M-A-B, assigned male at birth, that you are simply assigned, and that these people, AFAB, and AMAB people may not choose to identify with those terms during childhood or when they become adolescents or adults. But they'll just say, that was assigned at birth. I'm no longer a boy. Me, I now identify as this. And then claim number six is that, that some people can be gender fluid, gender fluid, which refers to someone who prefers to express either or both maleness and or femaleness, <clears throat> that this can vary perhaps even from day to day. So today, Friday, you are male. On Monday, you are female. On Wednesday, you are male. That's what they're saying. 
but those are some of the claims. Now, all as a result of these philosophies, human beings in the 20th and 21st century have identified a whole variety of gender, of gender identities and gender roles. They have thus far, they've listed um, male, female, which is okay, that one we all know, but they also have listed transgender, they've, they've listed gender neutral, they've talked about non-binary, i.e. not two, they've listed agenda, agenda, A-G-E-N-D-E-R, you know, no gender in other words, or pan-gender, then there's gender queer, then there's two spirit, you know, two spirit, then there is so-called third gender, and all, or none, or neither, uh, or a combination of these. Now, of course, other than the first two, male and female, the rest contradict God's express word in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, Genesis 1, 27, which says that in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. There are other ethically dubious pieces like sex selection. And sex selection is when parents or potential parents choose the sex of their uh, of their child using biotechnology. And um, this liberal secular worldview argues that using biotechnology to select a child's sex is an essential human right. Of course, this contradicts God's creative word, work, and counters his express word that he gave us in Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16. Psalm 139, 13 to 16. What does it say? We are quite familiar with this one. It says that, for you formed my inward parts, my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Uh, my soul knows it very well. Wonderful, wonderful are your works. For my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. When there were no, no you know, the, when your days hadn't even begun, God knew what gender you are. He knew what genitals would give you. He knew all these things. Now, here, listen to this little story. Uh, this was, uh, uh, I saw this in a book written by John Stott. John Stott is one of the great Christian leaders of the 20th century. He was a British man. Um, he used to run, he used to be part of All Souls, All Souls Church. Um, yeah. Anyway, so what's the story? There was a lesbian couple with severe deafness. And they deliver, I believe maybe it was a British couple. It doesn't say specifically, but anyway, <clears throat> this lesbian couple was suffering the, the, the severe deafness and they deliberately opted to have a deaf child, hmm? a deaf child, but remember they're lesbians, i.e. there are two women. 
in a sexual relationship, in a so-called marriage. Um, but so they wanted to have a child. So they deliberately opted to have a deaf child by choosing a friend, okay, in whose family there was deafness. So they chose this friend as a sperm donor, a sperm donor uh, to donate sperm to them so that one of them uh, carries this uh, baby in the womb. Now, as members of the deaf community, they wish to have a child who would easily fit into their lifestyle. Now, the problem in all these things with what we are saying, what I'm mentioning uh, about um, is that they're, they're relegating science to be outside and actually not just outside of the realm of the divine, but also to be above the realm of the divine. What foolishness, what blindness. It is foolishness, it is blindness. And this is what God is promising in our chosen passage to put the put right the things that have gone wrong. This is what he is saying in Isaiah 42, 16, that I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. A long and familiar paths will I guide them. <clears throat> so in the entirety of um, this, this passage, Isaiah 42, God is reasserting his creative power. He's reasserting his creative power. In verse 5, uh, he says that this is what the Lord says. The creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. He developed this point further in verse 7, saying that the mission is to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Now, in prophetic language, blindness can represent sin or it can represent, symbolize being without godly uh, instruction. You can see that in Proverbs 29:18. Prophetic language means the way God speaks, the way God, the terms, um, the images that God uses, that's prophetic language. Blindness, for instance, if you dream blindness, it may mean uh, God is speaking about sin or he's speaking about the absence of godly instruction. <clears throat> However, what should we do? We should take heart because all these issues will be solved if prophecy is to be believed. Okay? The, the word that we are studying today is prophecy. And we must believe prophecy. Why should we believe prophecy? Because all prophecy that is recorded in the scriptures will be fulfilled. That's what Jesus told us. He told us in, uh, in, uh, in Matthew 5, uh, verses 17 and 18, that every, he has not come to abolish the, 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 the law and the prophets, but he's come to fulfill them, that not even the smallest of the prophecies that has been pronounced will remain unfulfilled. And so all prophecy will be fulfilled. So that's why we must take part, because he has promised our scripture today uh, speaks of the promise to sort these issues out. Now, 
we are dealing, but we are looking particularly at science, but there will be a, a few other things. Um, now, God is the one who brings scientific revelation. That is what we call scientific revelation is comes from God. Science and knowledge are not uh, are, are not antithetical to the divine. Actually, science proceeds out of the divine, as a few of the. The, 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 the medical people, the scientific people on this platform will, will testify. Why? Modern science has its roots in the Reformation um, with its return. The, the, the Reformation was a return, marked a return to biblical uh, Christianity. And it's what uh, brought about the phenomenal interest in uh, fundamental research and technology. It came with the, with, the, with, with the Reformation. <clears throat> and so the great scientific advances and the Industrial Revolution that followed in the wake of the Reformation are a testimony to this. I mean, people like Sir Isaac Newton was among you know, the early scientists who, who, who held the biblical creationist view. Why did these people hold a, a biblical creationist view, these, these scientists? Because what motivated them was a confidence in rationality of the universe about, you know, about God being in charge of everything. Because, for instance, the creation account in Genesis, it, it presents something that is intelligent. Uh, you, we see a purposeful creator who declares at the end of everything that things are very good. And so that assures us that the physical universe operates in laws, in things, you know, that we can understand reliable laws um, that which may be discovered by the intelligent mind and used in practical applications. You know, what these people, the science that opposes God or the divine needs to understand is that we see in part, revelation comes slowly, Paul says that we see in part, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. So what we know is very little, even in areas of our specialty. So relatively speaking, actually relatively speaking, we are blind. And that is the essence of the assertion in, in, uh, in, in, in uh, Isaiah 42, 16, that God will lead the blind in ways they have not known. He will reveal scientific truth to people well beyond what they have known. Now, just last week, last week, last week, there was a discovery of new blood groups. There was a team of investigators in the National Health Service of Britain in the, um, their blood and transplant uh, um, uh, department. And um, who are working with the University of Bristol, okay? These people got a revelation of a new rare blood group system called ER, 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 like to make a mistake, to R, ER. So after investigating uh, three known antigens that did not fit into any known blood group system. And so these, these findings were published last week. And they helped solve uh, two 30-year-old cases 
um, of, a, of a disease, of a blood disease of the fetus and newborn children. Now, of course, they've said, I've said that they got a revelation, but that's not how they, they termed it. For them, they said they are discovered. Of course, it is God who unveiled the scientific truth, <clears throat> this particular scientific truth. How do we know that? It's because the word of God says in Acts 17, 26, either New King James Version or King James Version, Acts 17, 26, that he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Now, that is human blood of which there are blood groups. Now, we've, up last week, we knew four main blood groups or types of blood, A, B, A, then B, A, B, and O. That's what we knew up last week. But the God of Revelation has brought another one. And so there are four main blood groups, just as there are human beings of different races. We have the black people, we have the white people, we have the Oriental brown, we have the Arab Mediterranean, then we have the Oriental East Asia, the ones the people call yellow. And so even as there are different races of human beings, there are also different blood groups. But before last week, they knew just four main ones. And now there's another one. God has brought the revelation. And so what we are seeing is that in the last few weeks, God has removed another veil in man's knowledge and, and, and understanding of human blood. You know, revelation, revelation from God is like peeling of an onion. There is, the more you peel, the more there is deep down there. And that is part of his promise in Isaiah 42, 16, that to lead the blind by ways they have not known. They did not know three weeks ago, five weeks ago, or at the beginning of this year, or by last Christmas, they did not know this other blood group, ER. And so he has led them along unfamiliar paths, um, and he has guided them. Now, in the, the rest of verse 16, this is what the Lord says, that I will turn darkness into light before them and make rough places smooth. Now, darkness in prophetic language can mean ignorance or foolishness. Darkness in prophetic language or what, you know, prophetic language is how God speaks, the terms, terminologies he uses. Ignorance or foolishness. Now, God's promise, okay, to turn darkness into light, therefore, presupposes the provision of knowledge, like those new blood groups. And as we know, um, in bringing forth new knowledge, our God operates by revelation. And that is why wisdom or knowledge goes hand in glove with revelation. Wisdom struck knowledge goes hand in glove with revelation, as is illustrated um, by Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that I keep asking that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now in the area of blood, blood, blood is so central to God's program. He's so central, of course, it's the blood of Jesus. That was 
captured for us. It's the blood sacrifice that was in place before the new covenant, blood. Now we know a little better about blood. He's brought forth revelation so that we may know him better. Ephesians 1.17. Indeed, knowledge and wisdom are two of the seven spirits of God. Uh, we read in Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse 2. And so we see, we have before us in tonight's selected passage, a prophetic word. Now all prophecy must be fulfilled, as Jesus told us. All prophecy must be fulfilled. Now, the fulfillment of prophecy in, you know, okay, let me, let me just read that, that, that short passage. <clears throat> Matthew 5, 17 to 18. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least, of, least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. You know, some things accomplished once, some have a duo, others even have a multiple fulfillment. Now, the fulfillment of prophecy is dependent on a number of factors, a major one of which is the right time. At the right time, prophecy will be fulfilled. This is what the word of God says in Galatians 4.4. In the Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law. So the right time is one key um, factor in the fulfillment of prophecy. Another one is the positioning in place of key actors. The positioning in place of key actors are like Cyrus. You know, Cyrus was necessary for Judah's release from Babylonian captivity. When, when, when Isaiah writes about Cyrus, Isaiah writes about Cyrus at the end of um, chapter 44 and the beginning of chapter 45. He is writing, Isaiah lived about 200 years before Cyrus. So he said, the revelation he gets from God is that in 200 years, I'll raise a man called Cyrus and he will free my people from captivity. And so it was important that Cyrus be in place for Judah to be released from Babylonian captivity. However, if the key actors are not available, this here, this one, if the key actors are not available or they are rebellious, like the group eh, that left Egyptian captivity, group of Israelites that left Egyptian captivity, God will wait for another generation. He'll wait for another generation and then fulfill the prophecy. So he gets these people out of, of Egypt to fulfill the prophecy of Israel being in the promised land. But that generation of Moses, they become rebellious and he does away with all of them except for Caleb and Joshua and who, you know, just a handful of people. But the whole died. I think there about two million people. They all died. They were rebellious. So God is ready to wait another generation. But the prophecy must be fulfilled. He will use another generation. So that's where 
I'm now I'm beginning to, as I begin to wind up, I'm throwing a challenge to you and I, child of God. Do you want to be part of the generation that the Lord wants to lead out of darkness? Do you want to be part of the generation of the blind whom he wants to unveil? If so, follow our theme, arise and shine, arise and shine. Somebody has to stand up to the lies and the manipulations. All these manipulations, I think I've read from you have there. They may, you may think they are scientific, but they are not just scientific. Actually, they should concern us. We as intercessors, we as children of God, we as the generation to whom he's brought revelation. So we need to challenge the philosophies that subvert God's word, particularly those that subvert his creation work. When parts of science begin to produce counterfeits, somebody should stand up and challenge them. You know, Satan's counterfeits need to be negated. <clears throat> and I'll give an example of, of a counterfeit that Satan raised in our country just one month ago. What counterfeit did he, did, 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 did he bring? He said that Nyege Nyege is tourism. Remember the arguments that they made to justify the holding of Nyege Nyege in Uganda? That is good for tourism? That it is tourism? You know, that's a counterfeit. The foundation for real tourism, huh, at least for Uganda, is found in Genesis chapter 1. The foundation, let me repeat this, this one, the, that the foundation for real tourism in Uganda is found in Genesis chapter 1. What does Genesis chapter 1 say? <clears throat> now God has provided the beasts of the wild, the beasts of the wild. Genesis 1, 24 to 25. That is what makes our game parks, game parks. He has provided the birds of the air. Genesis 20 to 21. Genesis chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. That is good for bird watching. Myself, my family, we, 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 we have a little forest somewhere. The last time we did um, a, what do you call it, um, an inventory of the wildlife in it, there were 102, we counted 102 bird species. So bird watchers should be coming. That is real tourism. He's given us the waters of Lake Victoria and River Nile, Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. That is good for marine tourism. Then he's given us the vegetation of 11 to 12. That is for forest walks. And so this nyege nyege is not beneficial tourism. And yet we, as the church generation of this time, we hardly raise the finger. <clears throat> we hardly raise the finger when the pollution of this counterfeit was being introduced in our country with all its terrible spiritual manipulations or implications, rather. Uh, has terrible spiritual implications. But the church, I, I, we didn't hear, we didn't say much. There's a counterfeit. These things are counterfeits. And so when, when, when the says 
that he will he will he will um he will lead the blind he will he will he will take the darkness he's looking to take away the darkness but he needs people to work with and so when we keep quiet about things like nyege nyege it means we are choosing to be the darkness which the lord has spoken about and so the challenge as i conclude that i want to throw to you and i, I i'm taking this myself is that in addition to being in this mode of give us our daily bread eh? give us our daily bread that is where most of us christians are give us our daily bread that mode is our default hmm? give us our daily bread we need to take a long term view of god and his power it's, that's what this passage is alerting us to isaiah 42 14 to 17 it is calling us to a, a maturity in our faith for a widening of our understanding that the lord we serve is not limited to availing bread and our more immediate concerns it is telling us it is calling us to an understanding that nothing that is happening in the world today surprises surprises god nothing escapes and for the lord will lead us to the next level for the lord to lead us to the next level we must accept our blindness we must accept that we are blind Paul says that we see only in part um first corinthians 13 and the you know this for whom i i cited above those who manipulate science they think they know it all they think they know it all they do not see god's hand or let alone his knowledge now when jesus <clears throat> he was a man who was born blind he used the occasion to speak about spiritual blindness and its cure in jesus in the diagnosis of jesus only those who know that they are blind can be healed of their blindness because this is what he says in uh, in the gospel of john 9:39 is for judgment I have come into the world into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind then some of the pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him are we blind also he said to them if you were blind you would have no sin but now you say we see therefore your sin remains now jesus sets his judgment in the earth he erects his government <clears throat> in the world he puts up a church for himself among men he reforms the world and the, by the power of his gospel and the grace he fixes such principles in the minds of men to make us wise and just isaiah 42 places us we eh, mankind you and i in our place in uh, in our place of order in the broadness of the world as it is and as it is to come it reasserts Christ's supremacy Matthew the apostle Matthew quotes Isaiah 42:1 to 5 and and plainly says that it is a prophecy fulfilled in Jesus that is in Matthew chapter 12 verse 16 to 21 and so in this the lord commands all people to put their focus on Jesus let me conclude with this um in Matthew rather not Matthew in Isaiah 42 verses 13 to 17 uh, it ultimately points to the wonderful success of the gospel 
for the overthrow of the devil's kingdom. Those things, uh, <clears throat> humanoids, sex selection, and all those things, gender fluidity, all those are part of the devil's kingdom. Now, Jesus has long held his peace and been still and refrained himself while he winked at the times of ignorance of the world, of the Gentile world, Acts 17. And he has suffered all nations to walk in his ways, Acts 14, 16. But now he shall go forth as a mighty man, as a man of war to attack the devil's kingdom and give it a faith. The going forth of the gospel is represented in, um, uh, rep in Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. We see him going forth and conquering and conquering. The ministry of, you know, the ministry we've been called to is for warfare. We are called to be soldiers of God. Now, those who were blind, uh, who by nature were blind, and those who are living, and those who being under the convictions of sin and wrath are quite at a loss and do not know what God will lead by way that they knew not and will show them the way to life and living the wholeness of life. That is what we are being promised. He promises um, towards the end of, uh, of Isaiah 42 that he will put confusion to those who are there to idols, okay? Those who trust in graven images. Now you and I do not trust in graven images. We're on the other side. But let us not be, we, we, you know, we are kind of almost like in neutral, but God wants his people to act. God wants his people to be active. God wants his people. He will lead us in the way that we do not know. That's the challenge, to be a part, to be willing to accept our blindness and to be willing for him to take us by hand and, and stand up against these, these things of wickedness. Thank you very much and God bless you. Wow. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. We thank God for that word um, that has been released unto us. Our friends, um, I hope you're thankful in your heart. We are going to continue in prayer. Uh, we want to welcome again also uh, our provost, um, and Dr. Rebecca, you're very welcome. Uh, and all of you who have just joined us um, as we continue in prayer. So I will uh, hand over to uh, Miss Eunice. Um, Nancy, to take us through the prayer response. Thank you so much, our brother David. Uh, and you can clap for him wherever you are. And we thank God for this word. So let's take prayer. Um, Eunice, please take us through the prayer time. Heavenly Father, we, we give you praise. Lord, we give you honor. We give you adoration. We thank you, Father, for the word that comes to us this evening, O oh God. We thank you for using your servant powerfully and mightily. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you thanks, honor, and praise. 
Father, we thank you for, for a nation called Uganda. Lord, we thank you for how you have sustained us. We thank you for the 60 years of independence. We thank you, Lord, for our leaders, the different leaders that we have had. We thank you, Lord, for each one of them. We thank you for the recent leadership. We give you thanks, Lord, for how you have used them and sustained them. We thank you for the number of things they've been able to do. We give you thanks. We thank you, God, for the number of things, how you have adorned this nation. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the tourism. We thank you for the recent oil. We thank you, my master, for the scenery, for the weather that enables us to grow and feed the region. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks, my master, for the different activities that we do as a nation, for the factories that give us income, that are income generating. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you honor. We give you adoration. We give you thanks, my master, for the resources that we have in the land, the people resource that have been able to, to develop and grow this nation. Lord, we give you thanks. But Lord, we are also mindful that even that we have also not been faithful to you. So Father, we repent. We repent of, of uh, corruption, embezzlement of funds. We repent, Lord, where our motto says for God and our country, but we have a form of, of godlessness as the people of the land. And so, Lord, we repent of that. Lord, we repent where we have even turned to worship other gods, idolatry. Yes, yet the our motto says for God and our country. So Heavenly Father, we pray that yet another year 
that Lord, we will be a people that honors you. We'll be a people that love you. We'll be a people that hunger to know more and to thirst for your word. And so that will be a new generation of people that will bring about revival on the land. So Father, we pray for that. Lord, we pray that we still continue to repent where there have been a form of lawlessness. And so we, 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 we don't care, we seem not to have any fear of God or fear of the law of the land. And so we feel and we do what our hearts desires. Father, we pray and repent. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray and proclaim a new day. We proclaim a new season. We proclaim revival on the land. That Father, you revive us as a nation. That Father, you revive us as a people. That Father, you revive us as the church. That Father, it will no longer be a revival. It will not only be a revival like it was in the days of East African revival where the word was preached, where the songs were sung, and we saw families and churches transformed. But Father, it will be a revival that is beyond that. It shall be a revival that transforms our mindset. It shall be a revival that calls us to walk. It shall be a revival that opens our minds to think, to be creative, to be innovative in the name of Jesus. That Father will no longer wait for the Chinese to do our roads or for our patients to be taken to India. But instead, Lord, we will honor you, we will adore you, we will hunger for you, we will trust in you. And then we will seek your God. And then you will give us the knowledge, the understanding, the creativity to put use the resources that we have. That the people resource, Lord, shall be a people of a high standard, high quality. In the name of Jesus, that Father, we will be a people like Joseph, 
that seek you and use them plan to transform their land. It will be a new revival. It will be a new revival that we start in this nation and will sweep across Africa. That African shall be unstoppable. That Africa shall be a people group that is great in the name of Jesus. That Father, it shall be a revival that produces a people that fear you and hunger for you and hunger for your word and thirst for your word. Yet they are able to rebuild their nation. Yet they are able to rebuild and put use the, the resources this Africa has had. Lord, we pray that you will do it. Lord, we pray and we trust that you can do it. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you honor. We give you adoration. Lord, we thank you for the youthful young men and women that we have in the land. That Uganda has the largest youth, number of the population of the youth, the energetic is high. Father, we also pray that also your revival shall sweep through these young men and women to transform their mindset, to transform the, their ways. That, Father, we will not be a people that are disrespectful and insults and insulting our leaders and elders. But instead, we shall be a young men and women that yearns for you. Young men and women that focus and seek your God. That Father will use our energy and our zeal to transform this nation. That Father will focus our energy and our zeal from running away from our land to be maids and guards. But instead we will seek your God. As Father, you give us wisdom, knowledge, understanding that, Lord, we shall be very creative to use the energy that we have to develop our land, to transform our land, to make this land the pearl of Africa. Father, we trust that you will do it for us. Lord, we trust that you will do it for us. Father, we give you praise, honor, and adoration. Father, we pray for each word that your servant has given to us. That, Father, you use it 
to multiply. They too shall be a seed. A seed that will be used for your glory. Heavenly Father, we give you praise, honor, and adoration. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I have prayed. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you so Amen. much, our sister Eunice, for taking us uh, through prayer. Uh, we're still continuing to pray, uh, friends. Uh, I, I just want to bring uh, some other things uh, back home to ourselves. Um, our brother David, when he was sharing, he talked about, you know, uh, he said blind, if there's blindness, he said, you know, one of the reasons it can mean sin or it can mean uh, not being able to discern prophetic language. Um, and so if God is saying he will lead the blind by a way they do not know, if if there is sin in our lives or if there is um, uh, some kind of lack of discernment. So let's just bring those areas uh, before God. And the other thing he talked about, he talked about uh, turning uh, um, darkness. Um, I will turn the darkness into light before them in that very scripture of Isaiah 42. And our brother mentioned something about uh, turning uh, darkness representing ignorance or foolishness. Uh, and, and, and he said, you know, um, okay, so I, I think for now, let, let's first take those before God. He mentioned in uh, Ephesians 1.17, you know, praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But so let's first ask personally, you as an individual, you know, if God is saying he's going to lead uh, the, uh, the blind by ways they do not know. And, you know, the word is God is, you know, promising us to release us from blindness. What is that dark spot? What is that area of blindness in your life? What is that area of blindness in your family? Let's bring those issues before God, whether it is sin or it is, uh, you know, he talked about the lack of or discernment of prophetic language, you know. There's where, you know, people can say, but really can God speak? Or what are those ones speaking about? And all that and all that. Uh, and so we don't understand, even when God speaks to us, we don't understand. And so let's bring all those issues before God, the areas of darkness uh, in our lives, uh, some kind of ignorance. We've not even cared, you know, sometimes. So we live in darkness. We don't care about what's going on. So let's bring that before God, um, even as we continue in prayer. So pray for yourself as we pray together. Uh, so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we continue to come before you, our God and our Father. My God, if you are talking about blind people, it is because there is something that has, uh, you know, darkened our eyes. It is because there is something that has separated us from you. You know, the word goes on to talk about the issue of idols. They, they, they have made, you know, other gods. They have made idols. My master, isn't it us? Isn't it us? Uh, you know, isn't it me as an individual? The idols that have created in my heart, the idols of those things that we have, you know, uh, taken as important. They've taken the place of God. We have looked at money as the, the, you know, the one that will solve all our issues. We have looked at education. When we have, you know, problems, then we are saying, okay, let me you know, get more and more education. We're not even saying education is bad, but God, we have used it to replace you. We have, uh, you know, 
put all manner of things before you, my master, connections, networks, uh, and all those things that we think that are important, my master and my God. Father, we ask that you forgive us, Lord. That has brought blindness, oh God, in our lives, my Father. It has separated us from you. It has, you know, stirred up your wrath, your jealousy, my master and my Father. The things that we have loved, oh God, my Father, we have, we have not given you time, and we have taken pleasure and, and, and spent our time, you know, satisfying the flesh and, and things like that. God, we ask you, forgive us. Forgive us, oh God, my master, for every sin, for every form of darkness, God. The darkness that we have left in our hearts. Friends, you know, many times the issue is within our hearts. And so we are not even seeking God. We are the, Within our hearts, there are those idols. There are those things we are running after. Within our hearts, there, you know, there are those things that do not, cannot allow the spirit of God you know, to come in and maybe speak to us because maybe we are full of anger, we are full of jealousy, we are full of, you know, things that cannot allow the Holy Spirit to, you know, to, 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 to you know, minister to us. Let's bring ourselves before God, you know, those dark things. Father, we ask that you will help us, that you will have mercy, forgive us, Lord God. Forgive us, O oh God, the darkness in our hearts, O oh God, my master, the, the sin, the wickedness, Lord, the jealousy, the envy, the pride, O oh God, and self-exaltation, my master and my father. The way we've looked at ourselves, O oh God, as if we are too important, too, too, too great, O oh God, my master. Father, we ask that you forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us where we have not even bothered to learn to hear you. Forgive us, my master and my father, where we... We, we have not, uh, you know, we have not put ourselves God, in that in that way in which you can speak to us, my master. We have been like the children of Israel, running to this prophet and that prophet to hear what you are saying to us, my master. Like the children of Israel told Moses that, you know, you speak to your God. And then you will tell us what he's saying, God. And so we ask that you forgive us. If we are your children, we should be able to hear you. We should be able to discern you know, that language in which you're speaking to us. But my master will run from place to place, you know, looking for who will interpret our dreams, who will say, speak a word unto us, who will speak into our lives. So, God, we ask that you forgive us. Forgive us, oh God, my master. Forgive us, Lord, every form of ignorance, God, where we have not cared. Oh, they've listed things which we have not even heard about because we have not cared about and oh, they have not bothered us because we are on daily bread, even as uh, the, the speaker, our brother David said, we are praying about daily bread, but the things that break your heart, Lord God, we have not bothered about them. We ask that, Lord, you forgive us. Forgive us. In the name of Jesus and Ephesians 1, you know, uh, the, the wisdom and the eyes of our understanding that they may be opened, friend, uh, please pray for yourself that the eyes of your understanding will be open. If the eyes of your understanding will be open, you will look at things, you know, the way God wants you to look at things. You will look at your surroundings, not, you know, in comfort, but if there's something that burdens God, uh, you will, it will also burden you. So let's pray, pray for yourself in that scripture, you know, that the Ephesians 1, 7, 7, I keep asking, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, 
may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So let's pray that, you know, for that spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of our understanding may be open. So pray for yourself. In the name of Jesus, God, we come before you. And God, we ask that even as you dispel the darkness, even as you dispel, God, the blindness, that God, my master and my father, you will open. Give us the spirit of wisdom. Give us the spirit of wisdom that Lord God will be able even to pick the ideas, whatever it is that you're releasing unto us, my master. In this time, even as you release new knowledge, God, we pray that you give us the spirit of wisdom. Give us, fill us with the spirit of revelation, my master. Open the eyes of our understanding. Friends, pray that, you know, the blindness, the scales will be removed from you. God, we pray that, Lord God, you will open the eyes of our understanding, open the eyes of our standing, understanding that, God, every form of blindness will be removed in the name of Jesus. Open the eyes of our understanding. Fill us with the spirit wisdom, revelation, God, wisdom, revelation, God, give us solutions uh, to, 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 to the different problems in our lives, solutions to the problems in our nation, solutions to problems in our families, God, not what we have, you know, asked Mr. Google or asked whoever, you know, looking for solutions here, but to the ones that are coming from your throne, the ones that you have purpose that will help us. God, we pray that you will give us wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that God will hear you, that God will pick what you are, you know, ministering unto us, that will pick direction from you, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we pray that, Lord, you will have mercy that lord you will help us lord help us king of kings in the name of jesus remove every form of blindness in the name of jesus remove every form of blindness in the name of the lord jesus so friends even as we pray for ourselves because it is a god is you know he's looking for that army even as they've told us that you know this is not about daily bread but there is a, a, a warfare there is an army so Let's pray for yourself that you will indeed be part of that army. You will be part of the people that have been, you know, trained. This God who can train you. I mean, let's pray for ourselves. Um, so, Father, in the name of Jesus, so pray for yourself, pray for the family, and, and so that there will be an army that is raised. Let's also pray for the church that there will be an army that is raised uh, to catch up with what God is doing in the in this season. So let's continue in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we continue to come before you. And our God and our Father, we ask that you will raise us up, my master. Raise us as an army, oh God. You know, not about, you know, give me this day my daily bread. Yes, that is necessary. But God, my master, the people who are going to do your business in this time, my master and my father. God, even as you, your word that has to be fulfilled as you deal with every form of darkness all this that you know has been corrupted my master and my father god we pray you raise us raise us as individuals god we pray you raise us as families raise us my master as christ raise us to catch up with what you are doing in this time in the name of jesus raise us oh god my father in the name of jesus raise us our god and our king raise us my my father and my god in the name of the lord jesus and uh, so before I, I hand over, let me, let, let's also 
pray, take one other prayer point. Um, you know, our brother David talked about the prophets, the gift of prophecy, the, the prophetic, uh, the gift of prophecy, and the office. So let's just pray that, you know, there will be a release. Because, friends, if we are not going to, you know, to read in, in, in the, you know, what others have done, because that's what we've usually been uh, done, to see how have others solved this problem? What have they done? How have they done it? That's not bad. But what is God saying? So we'll need the, the gift of prophecy. We'll need the office of the prophets to be uh, filled. And so let's just take that final prayer before I hand over. That, you know, you know God will release. Because the word of God uh, says he, he released gifts to men. You know, and as part of the gifts that were released, the gift of prophecy. But also, as our brother pointed out in Ephesians 4, that there is that, you know, the office of the prophet. So let's pray that, you know, there will be, a, a, you know, a raising, a release of these gifts and the raising of the prophets in their offices. Uh, so let's take that prayer. And you may be within one of them. Uh, so let's just take the, the, the prayer. Father, in the, the name of Jesus, we continue to pray, oh God, my master that you will release, um, Holy Spirit, the gifts or, or the gift of prophecy. Release the gift of prophecy, God, my master. Release the gift of prophecy. Release unto your people because you re it is you as you, you know, for the, for the equipping, for the work, for the equipping of the saints and for the work, uh, that, or, 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 or your work that it will be done. God will pray you release the gifts of prophecy. And Lord, we pray you will establish the prophets in their office. In the name of Jesus, raise them up, my master. We know that, Lord, there is a lot of contention, a lot of counterfeits, my master. Diviners rising up and, you know, doing divination in the name of prophecy. But God, we pray that you will deal with the counterfeits in the name of Jesus, that you raise the true voices, my master, the true voices of prophecy in the name of Jesus. Raise the true voices, Lord, of prophecy in the name of Jesus. God, we know that even as you, you release those gifts for the equipping of, of, of the saints, that even amidst us, Lord, there are those that you have called to these offices. There are those that you have purposed, oh God, to work in these gifts. God, we pray you release them by the power of your spirit. Release these gifts, my master and my father. And God, even where we have abused these gifts, we pray you'll have mercy, that you'll forgive us. Where we have rejected these gifts, maybe wondered because your word says that you know that all your sin will be forgiven except you know the blasphemy of the holy spirit we have blasphemed you holy spirit sometimes we have you know uh, the people who are speaking things which you think are, are, are wicked those are the ones we are talking you know calling the people of the holy spirit or sometimes you are speaking and then we are saying what is that so we ask that you will have mercy you will forgive us and that you release that gift upon us. You will release the gift of prophecy. You will establish the prophets in their office. Oh, Father, we thank you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name we have prayed.